following podcast is a Jill Divine Media production. The one thing that I've noticed, even even dealing with teenagers, is that it doesn't do any good to, to tell them that the drugs are illegal, that they're bad for them, or you know that it might affect their grades or, or getting out of school. They, they, they don't care about any of that, and they don't believe any of it. But what I did notice captures their attention is the neuroscience about it. They're interested, they're curious, they want to learn about things. So the approach that I used with them was to talk to them about the brain. Hi there, and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. Back for a second time on the podcast, Richard Capriola is joining me. He was part of another episode, episode 83, All Children Are Vulnerable to Substance Abuse. And as a mom to a six and a four-year-old, I may not need to know this information right now, but it doesn't hurt to know it. And there are a lot of listeners that have kids much older than mine, and they need to listen to what you have to say, Richard. First of all, welcome back. Well, thank you, Jill. I appreciate the opportunity to be back here with you and to once again talk about this topic that uh, hopefully uh, we can share some information that will help parents be uh, more informed and perhaps a, a little less frightened about this topic. Anything that is going to help me feel more prepared, I am all about it, which is why I wanted to have you back on. Now, you can go back and listen to episode 84 and hear more about what Richard has done to get to where he is now, but he did write a book for parents regarding substance abuse. It's called The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. And it's a roadmap for parents on adolescent substance abuse. So basically, this book helps parents understand or the signs to look for. What else would you say for those that haven't had a chance to read it or haven't had a chance to listen to the episode yet? A couple of bullet points that you want to highlight right now. Well, I think the most important part of the book uh, is the parts that help parents um, know what the warning signs are. Because so many times I would sit with parents and, and go over their child's history of using a substance. And when I was finished, they would look at me and they would say, I had no idea this was going on. Or if they did suspect the child was using a substance, they would say, I, I sort of knew something was going on, but I didn't think it was this bad. And these are good parents. These are good parents doing the best job they can. They missed the warning signs because nobody had told them what to look for. So I think one of the benefits of this book is that it helps parents know what to look for. You know, if you know what to look for, the chances are if there is a problem, you will catch it early and be able to intervene and hopefully address the issue before it gets out of control and becomes a crisis. Now, there are other aspects of the book that, that I hope parents would find helpful. There's a, there's a, a small chapter that uh, talks about how the brain works. And the message there is that the adolescent brain 
brain is in the process of developing and doesn't become mature until around 25, age 24, 25. So it's important to protect your child's brain. And this chapter talks about how drugs work in the adolescent brain. Um, there is a chapter on if you think your child is using a substance, what type of, an ass of assessments and tests should you get done? There's a, a brief chapter on what uh, what treatment options are available. So I kept the I kept this book to about a hundred pages because I recognize that parents are busy; they don't have time to read volumes of information. So I kept the chapter short and concise, very non-technical, very user-friendly, and I would uh, I would uh, say that um, my my intent, my goal is to have parents read this book and walk away thinking, okay, I've got this. I feel a little bit more confident. I hope I don't have to deal with this issue, but if I do, I feel better prepared to do so. We have some new data for you. And so Richard reached out and said that, listen, there's been new data released about one year after we talked. And so now here we are, um, in 2023, we talked in 2021. So that's about two years, actually, if I do my math right, but <laughs> more data had been released and you wanted to share it. And I said, absolutely, because I was reading this summary that you sent me and I thought, well, yeah, we need to, we need to go back. We need to talk about before COVID, COVID and after COVID. And all of that is very important. So I'm going to let you get in to the nitty gritty on this. Okay, thank you. Um, you know, prior to COVID, uh, what we had noticed was that teenagers were still being attracted to alcohol and marijuana. Those are the two substances that teenagers have been attracted to for, for years. Um, but, but what was somewhat alarming was that for three years prior to the pandemic, teenagers were turning more and more towards vaping substances like uh, nicotine and marijuana. And for three years, we saw dramatic increases in the percentage of, of teenagers who were turning to vaping nicotine and vaping marijuana. It was becoming alarming. Then the pandemic came along, and what we saw was that during that pandemic year, the, the, the percentage of kids using substances dramatically declined which I think was to be expected because kids were not in school. They were, uh, many of them, doing online learning at home. They weren't associating with their peers as much. Um, so we saw a one-year dramatic decline in adolescent substance abuse during the pandemic during the pandemic. Well, data just came out in January, which now shows us what happened with teen substance abuse a year after the pandemic. And what we noticed was while the pandemic forced the largest one-year decline in marijuana use that we'd seen in 48 years, wow. it pretty much remained unchanged in 22. Um, and that while we saw a decline in alcohol use, Unfortunately, a year after the pandemic, uh, that was probably the one area where we saw the biggest increase in substance use was in teenagers drinking alcohol. So we don't think that the pandemic has a long-lasting impact on, on, on 
alcohol use among teenagers. Alcohol use rebounded fairly quickly a year after the pandemic. Now, vaping continues to be a problem. Uh, And as I mentioned, for three years prior to the pandemic, um, teenagers vaping nicotine and marijuana was vaping. It declined during the pandemic, but in 2022, marijuana vaping increased slightly. Um, And general marijuana use increased also, not just vaping marijuana, but marijuana use itself also increased in 2022, but is still below the pre-pandemic levels. Um, For example, 8% of eighth graders, 19% of 10th graders, and 31% of high school seniors report using marijuana in 2022. Um, Fentanyl, fentanyl is not a big drug among the teenagers. It's not common among the teenage population. It is among adults, and and sadly, it's killing too many adults. Mm. But what I think is important for parents to know, it's it's very important that we as parents educate our teenagers about the increase in deaths due to uh, this drug, fentanyl. And it's important that we educate our teens that the pills that they may be buying on social media or pills that might be given to them by friends may contain fentanyl unknowingly. So I think parents, as parents, we need to educate our children of the dangers of buying any type of drug over the internet, over social media, and even from their friends, because it may contain fentanyl unknowingly to the the person giving it to them or selling it to them. So uh, teenagers just need to know that there is a, a danger in buying any of these substances through social media or over the internet. One of the surprises that we saw in the data was um, a significant increase in the prescribed ADHD medications used for attention deficit disorder and hyperactivity disorder. These drugs were were being prescribed under a doctor's supervision, but there was a dramatic increase in the number of those uh, kids being prescribed this medication in 2022. Are you surprised by that? Because I don't feel like I'm surprised by that. Well, what was surprising was the percentage increase that that it had dramatically increased, um, and and again, the, the the surprise is in the prescription drugs, you know, okay. not the not the drugs they might be getting off the street, but but the number of kids being prescribed under a doctor's supervision these ADHD medications, and we think that the increase was due partly because parents became more aware of their child's attention deficit disorder when they were being sheltered at home. They were able to notice that their child might be struggling a little bit more because they observed them more at home. Uh, And then they took them to a doctor and they were diagnosed and put on these medications. Um, 
We think that that's one of the reasons why the increase in prescriptions for these ADHD medications uh, increased rather significantly, dramatically during, um, during 2022. So the bottom line is we did see a rebound in teenagers turning back to substances. The, the use is still below the pre-pandemic level, but the concern is, are we on a trajectory where where the substance use among teenagers will get back eventually to the pre-pandemic levels. That's the concern. All right. So I'm going to start with a question of those that are taking the survey or however it's distributed to get the results. Is this something that people are doing voluntarily or are these, I mean, I'm just trying to think of what teenagers are openly admitting that they are vaping or that they are taking whatever drug it may be? Well, this survey is done every year uh, by the University of Michigan. Uh, It's uh, called Monitoring the Future. It's been done for over, I think, 50 years. Um, And every year uh, they do a random sampling of kids who are in eighth grade, 10th grade and 12th grade. And it's anonymous, you know, so these kids are not identified by name or or any other way. And there's a random sample pulled among those grades nationally. And these kids are are given questionnaires and, 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 and give us information on what drugs they've been using over the past year. They also respond to questions of how dangerous do you think these drugs are? And they also give us information on how available these drugs are. And what we found out from those two inquiries is that uh, kids believe, teenagers believe that these drugs are readily available. For example, 80% of them tell us that it's not a problem to find marijuana if they want it. Over 80% of them tell us it's not difficult to find alcohol if they want it. And and then we ask them, okay, so you you think these drugs are readily available? It's easy for you to get. How harmful do you think they are? And again, you know, large percentages of these kids tell us that they don't think marijuana is all that harmful. They don't think drinking alcohol, even if you drink almost every day, is very dangerous. So when you have these drugs that teenagers perceive are widely available and easy to get, and they don't think they're very dangerous, that is a a very dangerous situation among the teenage population. The drugs are easy to get, and they don't think they're dangerous. I 100% agree with you. I would say that alcohol, I could see why many teenagers would say that that is easily accessible. I guess one of the things that I keep coming back to and and I know that I might ruffle some feathers here when I say this that I what you mentioned about don't let your kid we're not we're not condoning taking drugs that's not that's not it but you have to have these conversations with them you have to say you cannot buy things off of the street that you have no idea what's in them because it is different today 
than it was years ago. And not that I'm saying it wasn't dangerous back in the day, but with the increase of the different, I mean, I'm just thinking about like, you know, look at the bath salts and look at this and look at that. Like all these things that I have seen over my adult years and it's dangerous. It's already dangerous, but it's even more dangerous when you mix it with all these things that are not supposed to even be mixed. And so I guess I'm trying to, like, if I sat down with my girls, well, when I sit down with my girls, I think you have to say, listen, this is something that you might be interested in. And that's okay to say that. And I I think that there are parents that maybe are like, nope, you, you don't even want to do that. You can't do that. And I, I don't know. I'm just feeling like this tug in my heart, like, no, the more we push them away from it and not, we're not honest about it, then that's when it's going to, it could become really dangerous. I, I think that's right. And I think, you know, it's, it, you, you should have these conversations with your children beginning at a very young age. Um, you know, I, I would, I would talk to very young children, elementary age school children, I would talk to them about the the importance of protecting their brain. You know, kids are kids are inquisitive. They want to learn. They want to they want to know about things. And the one thing that I've noticed, even even dealing with teenagers, is that it doesn't do any good to to tell them that the drugs are illegal, that they're, they're bad for them, or you know that it might affect their grades or or getting out of school. They 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 don't care about any of that, and they don't believe any of it. But what I did notice captures their attention is the neuroscience about it. They're interested, they're curious, they want to learn about things. So the approach that I used with them was to talk to them about the brain, to help them understand how the brain works and how vulnerable it is, uh, to, to talk to them about what different areas of the brain are responsible for. And then um, as they then once they have that understanding, introduce the subject of how do, how do drugs affect the brain. So you have to, first of all, get them to appreciate the importance of the brain, how it works in protecting it. And then when they understand that, and they can do that at an elementary age. And then when they understand that, and they're a little bit older, then you can introduce how drugs work in the brain. So that first you teach them about the brain and the importance of the brain and protecting it. And then later you introduce how these drugs can damage the brain. That has a much more likely um, likelihood of capturing their attention than simply telling them drugs are bad. Yeah, because it's not going to work. <laughs> I mean, no, it, it never has, and it, and, it, no. and it won't because they don't believe it. Yeah, and they see what their friends are doing, and yeah, every single person is different. There's peer pressure. As parents, we can't just have a blind eye. We have to understand that even though our kids the best and they wouldn't do those things, they most definitely can do those things. And so we have to get ahead of it. All right. So you mentioned talking to your kids about the way it affects their brain. What else would you suggest to parents who maybe you're like, uh-uh, nope, I, I don't need to do that. I, I'm good. Well, I think the danger is in thinking that drugs would not happen to your child. They happen to other kids. They don't happen to my kid. Um, 
or the danger is thinking that you know you send your you you live in a certain neighborhood you have a certain income you go to a certain church and your child goes to a certain school and therefore the chances of them getting involved in drugs is 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 very low and that's a very dangerous attitude because no child is is totally protected from being exposed to these drugs. No child is totally protected. There's protective environments, but no child is protected totally. It doesn't matter where you live, urban, rural, suburban. It doesn't matter what your level of income or where you send your child to school. Um, Every child is vulnerable to being captured by these drugs for, for different reasons. So my message to parents is don't be paranoid about this. Don't be afraid of it. Learn what you can so that you feel better prepared if you have to deal with it. Know what the warning signs are. Know what to look for. Intervene as quickly as you can. And chances are you can you can get through this successfully with your child. In our previous episode, episode 83, we did, I mean, the title of that episode is exactly what you said. All children are vulnerable, vulnerable to substance abuse. Yes. And also, we talked about those warning signs. They are in your book, The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. Um, before we wrap things up, I was just wondering, I thought it was extremely helpful in that episode. You gave a couple of warning signs that maybe are not even anything parents would notice. Would you mind doing that again on this episode? Yeah, I think many times what we do as parents is when we see behavior that seems a little out of the norm, we tend to think that, well, this is just normal adolescent acting out behavior. This is what adolescents do. And and sometimes that's true. That, that's exactly what they do. Uh, but other times there might be something going on underneath the surface that you as a parent may not be aware of. Um, so my message to parents is pay attention to the changes that you see in your child. You know your child better than anyone. So pay attention to the changes that you see. Don't assume that they're just normal adolescent acting out behaviors. They may very well be that, but they might be an indicator that there's something else going on underneath the surface. Some examples would be a child whose grades are starting to decline. A child who used to participate in sports and no longer shows an interest in participating in sports or getting involved in activities. A child who used to introduce you to their friends becomes very secretive of who their friends are. A child who becomes very secretive of where they've been and what they've been doing or maybe coming in at, uh, at, at, at different hours than, than what they did in the past. So just pay attention to the changes. Be inquisitive about why you're seeing these changes and have discussions with your children. Um, you know, talk to them about what your concerns are. If you suspect your child is using a substance, don't threaten them. Don't punish them. Don't, 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 you know, come down hard. What you want to do is you want to have a discussion from an inquiring point of view. In other words, I'm seeing these changes in you and, and, and they scare me. Can you help me understand why I'm seeing these changes? I think you might be drinking alcohol or using substances and that frightens me. 
Can you help me understand why I'm feeling that way? So you invite the child into a discussion about how you're feeling and what your fears are and see if they're willing to talk to you about those issues. They may or they may not. But um, regardless of how those discussions go, if you as a parent uh, think your child might be drinking alcohol or using a substance, you need to get the assessments done that I recommend in my book so that you can get some professional opinions on whether or not there's a problem and if there is, what you should do. Well, I imagine that there will be many more statistics coming out over the years and that you will be the expert to come on and talk about those things. As we wrap things up, anything that you want to highlight that we may have missed? And I will add that I will have your book and any other information that you want to provide at the show notes at jilldevine.com. Thank you. I appreciate that. And if if anyone wants to know more about uh, the book or the resources that are available, they can just go to the book's website, www.helptheaddictedchild.com. The book is available as a Kindle for people who like to read on a Kindle. It's also available in paperback. I would urge parents to get a copy of the paperback and keep it on the bookshelf and use it as a resource. Um, But, um, you know, my message to parents is, you know, the more you know about this topic, the less fearful you will be, and hopefully the more prepared you'll be to deal with it if you have to. You know, you said something just then that did remind me of, (laughs) it's the birds and the bees talk and then the drug talk. Both of those talks (laughs) are what make parents fearful and make us want to run and hide. But the more that we can learn beforehand so that we are prepared, the better. And I, I truly think too, our kids, when we approach it in a way of either, you know, I don't know, I need to learn more or, you know, this is what I'm thinking or involving it as a conversation instead of a lecture, it really does make a difference. So it's, it's really good to hear what individuals like you have to say about this because it is such a serious topic that could really, really alter one's life. It is. It is. It's a serious subject, and 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 it's a and, and it's a subject that I think rightfully a lot of parents are afraid of, uh, because this can be uh, deadly in in too many cases. But it's also an opportunity to have discussions with your children about your fears about these drugs, and help them to understand the dangers that lie behind these drugs as well. Well, Richard, thank you so much, and keep working hard at it so that us parents feel so equipped and so positive and reassured about what we're saying to our children. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Jill. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about this again and hopefully share some information with your audience. So thank you so much for inviting me back to the show. And thank you again, Richard, for taking the time. Like I said, you can check out his episode, the previous episode he was on at jilldevine.com. And that's where you will find every single episode of Two Kids in a Career. I also invite you to follow along on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, All of those are also at jilldevine.com. So it makes it really easy for you to go to one place and find everything that you need. And as always, thank you for your support of two kids and a career.